Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! This episode is brought to you by Twizzlers. Long day, late night, feeling a little bored. Twizzlers is the ultimate sidekick for any moment of the day, no matter what kind of day you're having. The perfect level of sweet and a fun excuse to sit back and relax. Unwind with Twizzlers. To buy now, visit Hersheyland.com slash Twizzlers. Hello and welcome to the BBC Good Food Cook Smart podcast. I'm your host, Malika Basu, food writer and cookbook author, and I have a passion for clever and efficient home cooking. I'll be speaking to experts in the know about their tips, tricks and advice to make you smarter and better in the kitchen. Now, there is nothing more joyous than having leftovers on a busy day. But for smart cooks, making extra for leftovers packs a bunch for breakfasts, lunchboxes and more. Joining me today are Zena Kamgang, recipe developer and content creator, and Sam Gates, the queen of batch cooking. With two cookbooks on the subject, Hello Zena and Hello Sam. Hello. Hello. <laughs> it's lovely to be here. Now, can we just please start with a little homage to leftover meals and packed lunches, please? How much do we love them? Sam. Absolutely. Um, I think the thing about batch cooking is that you're basically creating leftovers for the sake of it. It's actually purposefully creating leftovers. <laughs> I love that. Um, I think that's, that's the whole point of it. So, yeah, I absolutely love it. I hate waste and I hate having things left over in my fridge. So um, I'm a big fan of using up leftovers. Same. I think for me, it's like a fun little challenge. You get into your fridge and it's like, OK, you've had this great meal. How can you turn it into something even better and different and cool? So that's also sometimes how I recipe develop it's based on what I have left in the fridge I so, love that so like yeah. repurposing effectively what you've got already exactly and sort of using the difference and textures that are created by sort of them food sitting in the fridge there's lots that you can do and play around with I love that um, ladies so I'm a big fan of the cook double save half um, 
school of cooking. It's a thing, you know, obviously in India, we, we don't think about portions at all. We just cook <laughs> and then everything that isn't eaten is then stashed away. Uh, but this in essence is what batch cooking is about to some extent, isn't it, Sam? It's yes. about making extra. Absolutely. Uh, it's almost like um, I kind of look at it as cook once, eat thrice, you know, so you <laughs> sort of, you know, like always cook more than you need and, um, and, and you'll always have plenty left over. But it's also about... My feeling about batch cooking is that it's about um, cooking um, the food that you want when you have the time for you to then enjoy it when you don't have the time, you know. So so when you come home and you're exhausted at the end of the day, you can actually eat something that you really want to eat. Um, and I think with batch cooking, my way of doing it is to try and create things that I actually want. So I think for many years, batch cooking, people just thought of it as sort of big vats of grey mints or, you know, sort of <laughs> grim things. Um, whereas now batch cooking is more about doing it because you want to and because you have the time and also s- setting aside time to enjoy the process. So, it, you know, I'll set aside a few hours to, at the weekend and put a great podcast on and actually really relax and enjoy the, the cooking process rather than having to just be in a frenzy when I come home trying to feed the kids. That's a really lovely way of looking at it, isn't it? Because we don't always get time to relax and get into cooking. But when you you do, why not really enjoy it and take the time and cook extra for another day? So it's not something you're doing because of routine or because you have to, but in fact, just really enjoying the moment and sort of maxing it out, so to speak. Absolutely. And also um, with batch cooking, I think it's also you can do special things. So, for example, I often will do batch cooking for Christmas or for Halloween or something like that and do it in advance, you know, make a beautiful sort of, you know, big, Christmas breakfast wreath or buns or something, but making it in advance, that's batch cooking as well. It's 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 not doesn't have to be just making a stew or a soup or anything. It can be anything that you want. Again, just doing when you have the time. Mm, that's interesting. And we're going to come back to what recipes work particularly well in your experience, because you have not one but two books on batch cooking. <laughs> yes. yes. Do you actually do any batch cooking, Zena, just to check in? I do. Um, I think I do it in two ways. So kind of going back to you, what you were saying, Sam, about cooking the foods that you love to cook for when you want them. I love, for example, making dumplings. That's one of my favorite things. But I don't have time to make dumplings after work on a Thursday. So I will batch cook. In fact, I'll get the whole family involved and we will. I'll make the, the filling and then we'll do the rolls. Same with spring rolls or anything that sort of is really tasty but requires quite a bit of effort. You sort of turn it into an activity, especially now that it's getting quite cold. Spend a Saturday making dumplings, making spring rolls, making something that you can then store in the freezer for whenever you're ready to go. But also on the other side of things, in terms of my content creation, I'm an accidental batch cook, I guess, because I have a full-time <laughs> job, right? right? And so if I'm going to squeeze in making my content, I can't film at the week because I don't get home until it's dark. So I basically will create content on a Saturday. So I'll sort of start at maybe 7.30 in the morning, finish at 7.30 in the evening in the summers and just cook all day. And all of that food is what my family will eat for the following week. So we will store half of it in the fridge, the other half in the freezer. And that's sort of how we just live our lives, I love I this. So you're telling me social media made you do it. Social media made me do <laughs> there it. <laughs> There's inspiration when we need it. Um, so the, the dumplings point is a really interesting one because you can, everyone can get stuck in, can't they? You can sort of do that with friends, with family. Um 
Coming back to your point, Sam, about what's particularly good to batch cook, I actually always saw it as the, you know, it's the kind of the stew, the curry, but you can be a bit more creative than that, can't you? Definitely, definitely. And and also, I, I found that um, I batch cook for things that you wouldn't normally think of batch cook meals. So I do a lot of breakfast batch cooks, for example. And for me, Batch cooking at breakfast makes perfect sense because that's the time in the day where you have the least time. You know, you're racing out the door. In my case, I'm always late. You know, everybody's trying to remember bags and stuff and shoes and whatever. So actually having prepped or, or batch cooked your breakfast, so it, it's the perfect time to do it. So I, I, do, I do things like um, uh, potato files, which can be frozen, muesli bars, um, frittata, breads that can come straight out of the freezer and all that kind of stuff. So at that time of the day when you really need something quick but you don't want necessarily to have junk um, on the on the way to work, you actually want something in advance, batch cooking's perfect for it. Um, and the same for lunches, actually. Um, I often batch cook sandwiches. Um, and you batch cook, you make a load of sandwiches, um, say cheese and tomato, wrap them up, freeze them, and then at lunchtime whip them out and put them straight into a toasty maker. So and they work great. They work oh, great. Wow. They're really fun. I would so, have ever thought it's of what, that. It's one of it's one of my fa- it's one of my favourite things, and it's just great when you're if especially sometimes I work from home, and uh, you know I'm on working like crazy all morning, and suddenly realise I haven't eaten anything, and I don't really have time to actually make a proper lunch. I just whip a sandwich out of the freezer, and that's it done. Nice. <laughs> I've never considered that. Considered that actually, <laughs> that's a great yeah. idea. Can I just ask quickly? How big exactly is this freezer of yours? (laughs) (laughs) It's not that big. So I don't have a chest freezer. When I was a kid growing up, we had one of those mad, enormous freezers that you'd kind of fall into as a kid. It was a bit scary, full of dodgy things at the bottom. Um, But no, I'm now quite ruthless about sort of auditing my freezer and trying to use stuff, not in a scary way, but just in a sort of trying to keep an eye on what's in there. So no, I just have a normal size freezer at the bottom of my fridge. And of course, not everything has to be frozen. Again, to your point, Zena, is that, you know, a lot of it you can just eat as you go along in the week. So, you know, it's just smart cooking effectively, Mm -hmm. isn't it? Um, In fact, coming back to you, Zena, I'm a big fan of your no-cook pasta sauces. So we're now going from batch cooking into leftover and lunchbox territory. (laughs) It's all, of course, nicely interlinked. Um, I noticed a lot of beetroot recently as well. Yes. And is that because they were in season and you bought so much beetroot, you put them into everything you cooked? It was a combination of them being in season, but also, if we're being 100% honest, when you're creating content, you're trying to grab people's attention and nothing is quite as striking as the colour of a beetroot. So that's... <laughs> I love this. Helps. Look, all the truths are coming <laughs> out. The truth bombs are all landing yeah, yeah. here. Um, that's brilliant. But I love the fact that you could just whip up beetroot and something else. Was it feta, if it I was remember feta. correctly? Tell us about that. Tell us about that recipe. Yeah, so it was a it's really sort of easy, pre-cooked beetroot whether you've roasted it yourself or you buy one of those packages from the supermarket, a little bit of olive oil, some feta, whip it up with some pasta water and you've got what is a very delicious pasta sauce. And that was kind of the thinking behind the whole series is, okay, what do you have in your fridge, whether it's a jar of leftover harissa, some veggies or some herbs that are about to go really bad and are looking a little worse for wear, whack it in a blender, add some pasta water and a little bit of parmesan and you're pretty much good to go. I love that. And if you're, you know, if you're a solo household or you buy things in packs that you can't actually finish off in one go, that's the perfect sort of recipe, isn't it? There? There's another exactly. one. While we're on the subject of pasta sauces, there's another no-cook pasta sauce that you do. Is mm-hmm. it harissa and something else? Yes, it's the creamy harissa 
pasta. Mm. Um, and it's basically uh, you get some... Your, well, it's, it's actually really flexible. For your source of cream, you can do ricotta, you can do mascarpone, you can do cream cheese, whatever, whatever you've got in your fridge. The harissa can be any kind of harissa. I personally love rose harissa, mm. but any works. And then uh, you use any sort of anti-pasty sort of veg thing that you've bought from the supermarket, whether it's a roasted pepper, an aubergine, a sun-dried tomato. Whiz it up with some fresh basil and it makes such a delicious sauce. That sounds incredible. And that's the sort of sauce that tastes even better the next day. A hundred percent. There you go. Now yep. we're into leftover territories. <laughs> <laughs> because of course, batch cooking is also about just, yes, it's about having something the next day, but it does in fact taste better. So I'm obviously from India, but you know, in India, we say that food tastes better the next day because the spices have really had a chance to work their magic. And presumably, Sam, that's another big reason we should all be cooking in bulk. Definitely, yes. I've got a recipe in my latest book, which is called The Green Batch Cookbook, called, which has got a very uninspiring name, and it, I've just called it the Universal Vegan Base. Because <laughs> when I was writing it, I literally couldn't think of what to call it, but it's something I cook all the time, and it's basically a sort of vegan bolognese made with lentils and loads of spices. And um, I use it for everything. So I can use it for a cannelloni, for a lasagna, for a shepherd's pie, or, or any version of those things uses the same base. But that's a brilliant one, and the recipe makes such a vast amount, makes about enough for about 12. So obviously we eat it over a period of time and it's always at its best on about the third day. Um, when we when we were testing it, I was testing it at home during lockdown and I test all my recipes three or four times. So we had about 50 portions of the <laughs> universal vegan base, so we ate it forever. But but it, yeah, it tastes much better when it's when it's been in the fridge for a few days or in the freezer. It's great. That's right. And it goes brilliantly into lunch boxes. So the packed lunch, big fan of the packed lunch. I don't know if anyone's going into an office. Are you guys going into an office or yes, taking yes. packed lunches? Yeah. And do you find often keeping some instead of freezing everything, you just keep some aside for the actual lunch boxes? Definitely. And I, I work in an office where, which is, it, there are no shops nearby. So, so we always take in the food. It's always the food from the night before. It's great. Um, and lots of sandwiches as well. I mean, the sandwiches are massively underrated. I feel like they're mm -hmm. undervalued, aren't they? That's another thing that I love kind of making with leftovers. And, um, you know, I joke that you could basically to do a toasty with anything. Literally could, anything. <laughs> you're a fan, aren't you, Zana? I'm a huge fan. I think that you can... Sandwiches are great. First of all, I think that people often forget that, like, the, the amount the vast array of breads that are available will change your sandwich enormously. Like I'm, I mean, I always love a ciabatta, love focaccia, maybe even turn it into a wrap, but leftovers lend themselves so nicely to a good sandwich, especially if you have any leftover veg. Roasted veg works great, but even steamed veg, if you toss it through with some olive oil, some fresh herb and some lemon, and suddenly you've given new, new life to your peas or green beans, and it sounds weird to put them in a sandwich, but it works. It sounds very weird to put them in a sandwich. <laughs> yes. I stand by it. I think a ham and cheese, ham, cheese and pea sandwich. Why not? Yeah, why not? Why not? I mean, who says yeah, there that? That sounds no good. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. There are no rules, are there, of what to put in, yeah. in sandwiches and toasties especially because exactly. then they're warm and your tip of having toasties ready to go is a great yeah, one. Yeah, it works well. The, the other thing I, I often make is if we let leftover veggies and things is frittatas. Mm. So yes, because let you can put spend. anything in. Let us spend some time talking about the frittata. <laughs> I have this theory that the frittata is going to be to our current phase of existence what the dal was in the pandemic. 
This episode is brought to you by Twizzlers. Long day, late night, feeling a little bored. Twizzlers is the ultimate sidekick for any moment of the day, no matter what kind of day you're having. The perfect level of sweet and a fun excuse to sit back and relax. Unwind with Twizzlers. To buy now, visit hersheyland.com slash Twizzlers. So we're going to discover the value of a frittata <laughs> <laughs> and really kind of embrace it wholeheartedly. Is there, uh, um, is there a, a theory or a special method to a frittata? Do you, for instance, need A cheese, A veg, A protein that goes in with your egg? Is there, are there any rules is what I'm asking, Sam? I, I think there are no rules at all because I, I make them all the time, you know, with, with leftover, great with leftover roast veg for if you've had a roast at the weekend. Um, odds and ends of cheeses, you know, great thing to make, for example, after Christmas if you've got a bit of odds and ends of a cheese board left. Um, but, but also you can substitute things. So I've got a recipe in my book for a sweet potato and feta frittata. But last weekend I, I was making some for a wedding and I made, I didn't have any sweet potatoes, so I just used normal potato didn't have the right peppers so I just used what was in the fridge and I made four of them and um and they and they they literally got demolished instantly um, and that was just you can substitute things it's a very forgiving kind of dish that's what I really like about frittata and also you can eat it for anything so you have your breakfast lunch snacks you know pudding supper whatever well maybe not pudding but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> are is, are there people who have not embraced a frittata yet do we think do we think that every family now needs a frittata like baseline understanding of how it works and what you can do to change it up and mix it up I, it's certainly a really useful thing obviously if you're vegan i i haven't made i haven't made a vegan um frittata with egg substitutes. So I, I haven't tried that, but I guess I'm sure that's possible. Um, but in terms of um, a baseline recipe, I've, I've make it, sometimes I make it in a frying pan, sometimes make it in the oven. And actually in the oven is really easy and really quick. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's a really good one to make. I've just taught my kids how to make it and my daughter's off to uni soon. So she's going armed with that recipe, which I think could be quite useful. <laughs> well, she won't go hungry, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Do you make frittata, Zenad? Are you, are you all over it? I, I don't think I've ever actually made a frittata. I've made those sort of mini egg cup muffin things where I've got sort of leftover veg, yes. leftover sort of chicken, and then top it up with eggs, cheese, pop it into the oven. And But I've never actually frozen them. I have this thing where edge, I probably just need to learn how to do it. But the idea of I don't know how to reheat eggs that have been cooked and then frozen in a way that sort of retains their fluffiness. I'm sure you'll. I, fun you'll enough, have the I don't. I generally don't freeze frittatas either. Oh, so okay. I think I, I think your your instincts are, are right. Um, but uh, but they keep. So okay. that's a good thing. They keep well in the fridge, wrapped in foil or whatever, for a few days. So nice. so they they keep very well. I, I'm I'm I've retired. That's it. You guys just have this <laughs> love. I'm just listening. This is all very interesting. Um, actually, could we talk about the freezer a bit more? Um, what what works and what doesn't? I mean, you could pretty much freeze anything. Yes within reason. Texture becomes a problem though, doesn't it? So starch, I find, starchy items don't always come out best when they're defrosted, like rice. Or Would you agree? I don't know. Am I, I wrong? Do, I do freeze rice, actually. And I think it, I think it's fine um, as long as you follow really caref careful instructions about how you reheat it. Um, but often things that have a high water content, vegetables that have a high water content aren't so good. Um, 
Things like potatoes are quite perfectly good to freeze, but you generally cook them cook them first or par parboil them first. Um, so I'm often experimenting with things, you know, just because I because it's so convenient to stick it in the freezer. So I'll often put things in the freezer and just see if it works or if it doesn't. Mm -hmm. And you label all your boxes, yes, presumably. Or, or yeah, or or bags. Um, so I I try and either use recyclable um, containers or I reuse freezer bags. Just wash them out, dry them, and reuse them. Mm -hmm. And what what about you? Because that there's some solid tips in there. Do you use the freezer much now? How do you kind of store, repurpose? Yeah. So I think I mean I'm so I'm I grew up here, but I'm half Nigerian, half Cameroonian, and we. Like when my mum's making stews or any sort of big dish, that will get frozen in Tupperware. Like I, the, the amount of Tupperware we have in my home. But I uh, we always sort of freeze things separately. So like I will, if I'm doing, if I'm making a pasta sauce, for example, I will never freeze my pasta tossed in the sauce. Mm. I will just freeze the sauce and then make fresh pasta or keep the pasta in the fridge and reheat it just because I think that it gets really mushy really quickly. Same with rice uh, and other sort of dishes like that, I, I personally don't find that they freeze particularly well. So I tend to freeze a lot of my protein-based foods, less so anything that's starchy or my veg. About the freezer, so yes, agree with you on the protein. I think that it works better, meat, fish, you know, even uh, pulses, beans, that sort of thing. Um, but I don't think, do people recognize that you can freeze fresh herbs, uh, chilies, sliced bread as well? So I bake a loaf of sourdough every week, uh, which might now have to become once every other week, seeing as what I know about ovens. Um, but you can actually slice it and pop it in the freezer. Do you do you guys do that? Is that yes, that's I, fairly I, common? Yes, I always freeze. I always freeze bread and often make it several several loaves at the same time and freeze one. And and also the breadcrumbs. You know, all the leftover crusts and things. Turn them into breadcrumbs. Stick them in the freezer. Absolutely brilliant. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and uh, seasonal veg. While we're on the subject of saving things for later, how much do how much do you eat seasonally, Sam? Do you buy veg in season? Do you use it for batch cooking? I, yes, I do. I, I eat seasonally a lot, and I've got a very small fledgling veg patch in my mm -hmm. garden, which is with some success and some not success. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, so I always I always try to eat seasonally as much as I can. Also because it's just generally cheaper and it tastes better. Um, as as we all know, just it make, makes a makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. What about you, Zane? You're nodding, nodding yes. there vigorously. I forget that no one can see me. Yes, <laughs> nodding very, very vigorously. Yeah, same. I, I cook in season a lot. Um, and then there is, you know, it, it gets the end of the season, season in the certain veg that you love, but you know that you're not going to see at its best for a while. So recently I've really gotten into pickling. Like that's Ooh. been really, really fun. We had a pickling class at work and sort of talking about different things that you could pickle. And I pickled a pomegranate in like a sort of cinnamony spiced pickle brine and oh, it was delicious. Amazing. So I'm sort of delving into that journey and then maybe we'll get into fermentation, but baby steps. I'm a big fan of fermentation here, mm. but you know, pickles run in my blood. <laughs> yeah, and basically if you cut me open, there's ferment inside me. <laughs> so I, I love that. And of course, you know, they feature a lot with leftovers for me. Talking about seasonality, Sam, I see there's a giant cake in the middle of the <laughs> table. Tell us more. Tell us where this has come from. <laughs> well, this sort of tied in with the whole batch cooking theme because I was given a big box of windfall apples. Um, and so the 
this morning I made four apple cakes because I wanted to use them up. And uh, I kind of thought, well, wait, maybe I should bring some along because everybody loves a piece of cake. But I do have to say that it has been at the bottom of my bag and I've come from outside London. So it's a little bit of a pancake apple cake today. It's not quite as light and fluffy as I'd hoped. I don't think any of us are complaining, no, to okay. be honest. Who not like even slice? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I'm literally sat here salivating as you're cutting this cake, so I'm very excited. <laughs> oh, no, it's a bit of a bit of a responsibility now. <laughs> so this one's actually made um, so with layers of um, of cooking apples, and mm. and the sponge is just made in a food processor very quickly. Oh, nice. So literally just blitz for a few seconds. How long just did you a, make it for? This is about 25 minutes. Oh, um, that's a good. But yeah, I made about four at the same time, and there's a little bit of butter and golden syrup at the top. So it's a bit like a um, a sponge pudding, you know, the, the ones that you yes. sort of turn upside down. Yep. It's like a sort of cake version right. of that. Um, um, can I just add also to the mix that you did something very interesting on your social media recently, which was the sort of upside down savoury cake where you layered potatoes and then tomatoes. Um, <laughs> and I love that. And I think you got it from some magazine pullout or something from centuries ago. Yeah, it was. It was. It was a p- potato um, courgette and feta cake. And I, I, I've kept sort of flip files of recipes for years, literally since I was a kid, virtually. And uh, and I dug out this recipe and I actually think it was a BBC Good Food recipe from probably 30 years ago. Um, <laughs> and, and I think it was from one of my mum's magazines because I used to read her magazines. And um, But I haven't been able to track it down, actually, because I put it on social media and, to, uh, and asked if anyone knew who wrote it because I was going to credit them. But um, but we, we still couldn't find it. But yeah, it's brilliant because I had some potatoes, courgettes and tomatoes from my garden that needed using up. And and it's literally an upside down cake. So you do layers, layers of potato, layer of tomato sauce, layer of courgette, and then you repeat the process three times. And when it comes out, it looks like, I mean, it, it, you know, it almost looks like something you'd find in a patisserie window, but it's savoury. So yeah, that was, that was, it's been great, actually. Lots of people have tried it since they saw that on social media. So I was really pleased about that. It's yes. great. And by the way, so is the cake. So thank <laughs> so you for good. this. It's so good. So, so good. Um, I would love to talk about lunch boxes as well, because that is a big thing. We briefly touched on it, Sam, because I know you take your lunch boxes in. What do you put in them? Because, of course, you can't put anything that smells too strongly. Yes. That you can't put anything to wet in them. You know what are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> well, where I work, we have a we have got a microwave, so that does help. So we, I can take in the food from last night's you know leftovers from last night's supper. So that's great. But often things like um, I make a lot of um, sort of veggie veggie balls and meatballs and sweet potato balls, things like that. Those those are quite fun to have because you can eat them cold or hot. So take a lot of those. Um, lots of quiches, pies, that sort of thing. Um, so. It's, can be sandwiches, but often it's it's just pieces from whatever we had the day before. Mm-hmm. And would you assemble things on site? Would you ever consider doing that, sort of assembling a meal, putting together a salad or something on site? Or is yes, it... I do sometimes. Ooh. If I, if I've t- it's all about time, isn't it? If you're it really if you're is. working yes, in the office yes. and it's how much time you have. So, but yeah, no, certainly. Um, and where I work, we do. There is a, there's a decent kitchen, um, so we we do people do do often cook as well at lunchtime. Oh, well, that's that's quite, quite handy, nice. isn't <laughs> it? Very. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, I'd love to talk a little bit about underutilized recipes, methods and techniques. 
So is there anything that you've seen or that you do that you feel we really we really need to blow up? So we've talked about the frittata. Every every home now needs a baseline frittata method. And uh, no cook, obviously, is, is a no-brainer. Um, are there any other things that you do? And we can just have a, a chat about it. Any other things that you've spotted or noticed that would be really clever to do? potentially i think for for me things some of my top tips are things to do with freezing so for example it was a game changer for me when i realized that you could um, freeze grated cheese that's and that's brilliant so i did not know it's, that it's fab so you can buy i mean you can obviously buy grated cheese in bags but it's a lot more expensive than buying a slab of cheese so if you just buy the slab grate it and put it in a ziploc bag or a tupperware or whatever put it in the freezer and you can i mean i i then will take it out and put it straight into a white sauce for example if i'm making a cheese sauce and it just melts in it or you can take it out in it obviously it it uh, defrosts very quickly but that's that's a i think that's a top tip sorry i keep Hitting the microphone. <laughs> My excitement about grated cheese. <laughs> and who can blame you? Yeah. Um, and also open freezing is something that, that I that I do a lot. So so I, I make a lot of things like bean balls, um, meatballs and veggie balls, that stuff like that. And you just make them and put them in the freezer sort of so they're just on a on a tray, not with nothing on top of them. Freeze them, then take them out and then put them into a bag or a box. Because once they're a little bit solid, they won't bash about. And you do the same with things like berries. So we've just had a great season for blackberries, for example. And so all berries just, again, open freeze. Or if you've got a few um, sort of blueberries left over or raspberries or strawberries, open freeze them. And then once they're firm, put them into a bag and freeze them and they stay intact. So that, those are my quite those kind of useful tips mm. that I've picked up. Mm. And they are quite useful. Is that any from you? What, what, do you? what have you come across or seen that you think we should really get out there and do more of? So to your point about separating things, I do that as well when I make dumplings, because if you freeze them, if you put them in a bag immediately and freeze them, they will sort of stay in a clump and then they'll rip and then you lose the filling. So that's a great tip. But I think um, sometimes social media isn't the best, but also sometimes it will give you great tips. And one thing that I love sort of related to work lunches are like jarred salads or things where like, let's say when we're talking about assembling a salad at work, you might not have time to assemble it there so if you prep your salad the night before but you don't want it to get soggy you get sort of like a big mason jar and you put sort of the more wet ingredients at the bottom so your dressing goes on the first layer then things like tomatoes or pep roasted peppers that are quite moisture heavy uh, and then you can maybe get some shredded leftover chicken and sort of build upwards and then finish with what would go soggy the quickest so your lettuce leaves your rocket your whatever spinach and then seal it up and then come in to work the next day sort of just shake up your salad and you've got oh, a nice work salad I love that. So, yeah. this is I need to spend more time on social media yeah. clearly yes this is not <laughs> but that's a great tip mm. and I've never tried that before actually and yeah it works really, and it doesn't have to be sort of for people who don't want to necessarily leaf based salad you can do it with noodles or couscous and mm. same principle applies dressing at the bottom wet ingredients and build upwards and Shake and eat. Mm, very, great. very nice. Yeah. Um, overnight oats is that? Did you do a lot of that as well? That used to be huge a few years ago. Now, sorry, I'm giving my age away. But. <laughs> I never did purely because I don't love oats. It's mm, a texture thing. It is. I, yeah, chia seeds for me it was a mm, real texture. Yeah, thing. I'm exactly the same. I never did the overnight oats yeah. or the chia seeds. Do you do anything yeah. overnight for the next day? Anything at all? Soaking like. 
Chickpeas? Chickpeas, That's yes. probably about ah, it. Now, chickpeas, yeah. this, is a lot, this is a very contentious subject for this <laughs> podcast. Tinned, bottled, or soaked and cooked chickpeas. I think we're all very divided on this. But <laughs> are you then from the camp that soaks them and then cooks them, Sam? I, 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 to be honest, I love chickpeas, so I like all versions of them, bottles, cans, or dried. Um, but again, if you're, if you're kind of going on a budget, from a budget perspective, I think the dried chickpeas are generally cheaper. because you And I... The other thing that you can do with chickpeas is you can cook a huge batch of them and then freeze them cooked, and they're absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. So, again, it's, it's not something that people would necessarily think about freezing it's chick, cooked chickpeas, but they freeze fine. So I tend to do a whole bag in one go and then freeze them in portions. Wow. This is one impressive freezer, by the way. <laughs> uh, I know I'm, I'm slightly in awe of how many things have gone into this into freezer. freezer. <laughs> <laughs> um, any strange things you eat as leftovers, apart from yesterday's meal, obviously? Any weird? Because you end up having really awkward breakfast, don't you? I, I mean, I do. I don't know about you, but I have very awkward breakfast. There was this whole thing about... Um, was a dinner for breakfast. Mm-hmm. There was a whole hashtag as well on that. But I often find myself repurposing meals so oddly that I'm just eating the most random selection of things when I shouldn't be uh, first thing in the morning. I do that all the time. I and I and So I will use the gym as an excuse to be like, oh, it's fine. I need protein. So it's fine to eat chicken and green beans at like nine o'clock in the morning. But also I think it's a, it's a cultural thing. Like I know that in 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 the West, we're used to sort of having a certain type of food for breakfast. But in a lot of cultures, it's very normal to have what we consider dinner food for breakfast. Um, for example, I just went out, I had recently had dinner with one of my friends who's Malaysian. And she was telling me how one of the dishes that we tried, which was a noodle dish, is something that she's used to having every morning. So it's just a question of how it's so, you're so right. experimental you're willing to be. That You know what? You've made me remember this. So uh, my mom does this thing when I go back to India on holidays and she'll say, shall I make your the classic for breakfast? And classic for breakfast is basically deep fried flatbreads with potato curry. And I'm getting off a plane at eight o'clock at this point <laughs> in the morning. And I'm just like, mom, I don't think I have the, I don't have the habit mm-hmm. anymore of eating like fried breads with potato curry for breakfast anymore. But that is, and you do it because it sets you up for the day. Exactly. You know, you are, you have a robust breakfast in the morning. Yeah, that was like, so I, in my previous job, I spent a lot of time in Hyderabad in India. I would spend, I'd go maybe six times a year. And that was the same thing. You get off the plane and we'd have full curries and chutneys. And I was like, okay, let's go. Like this. <laughs> We're ready for the day. (laughs) Excellent. Exactly. Any final thoughts? Anything you'd like to add that you haven't added so far that you haven't mentioned? I, I, can I just add a couple of things on the freezing, just banging on about freezing. But um, <laughs> but but I think if it's a, freezing, it's a really good idea before you, if you're going to start doing batch cooking, is to do take a long, hard look at your freezer, give it a long, hard stare and be really ruthless about clearing all the stuff out because we all know that things go into a freezer and then they never return. Or by the time they've reached the surface, you don't know what they are anymore. Um, and also put stuff in that's good. So if you didn't want to eat the last few spoonfuls of a, of a stew or a curry or a soup, you're probably not going to want to eat it in a year's time either. So, so, so you know, better to use it up, uh, you know, and eat it, turn it into a leftover unit straight away um, and then just have stuff in your freezer that you really want. Um, so that, that's that's kind of my top tip. That's, you, know? you know what, Sam, you, you, that's a really good point, actually, because I often do that. I'll often put something because I don't want it and then it never comes back yeah. out. Yeah, and you, you still don't want I it. Because I still don't <laughs> want it, even when it's defrosted and I'm hungry, you know. Um, and so I guess managing your freezer becomes important if you're going to think about leftovers 
and lunchboxes um, for future meals. And I also think that um, leftovers are, it, it's something that's a really positive thing. So it's sort of sometimes the connotation of leftovers is that it's a it's something that you didn't want the first time round. But, but the idea behind what we've all been talking about today is to create things that you actually really want to eat. You know, it's about deliberately making them in the first place, not having to use them up because they were there and you didn't quite eat them all. That's such a lovely point, bringing us back to dumplings, Emma. (laughs) Any final thoughts? Um, Yeah, I would just say have fun with your leftovers. I think when we were kids, the whole, you know, your mum, oh, there's food at home, and you'd be annoyed. It was, ugh, this is food that we've eaten. I think there's always lots of fun things that you can do, and if you don't want to eat the same thing, you can turn it into something, get experimental, Make it different and you may just find something new that you really, really enjoy. I love that. And I say, I guess part of that challenge for me as a mom is hoping the children don't notice <laughs> exactly. that they're eating yesterday's meal. There's always an element of being hashtag busted talking about social media. Um, but that was really interesting. Thank you so much for joining me today and for all your fine tips and advice. Thank you Thank so you. much. It's lovely. I loved hearing Zena and Sam's ideas on this podcast about batch cooking and using up leftovers. Here are three genius tips I'll definitely be doing from now on. One, making breakfast in bulk is a brilliant idea. It's often when we have the least time to cook, so having a stack of potato falls or muesli bars made in advance is a lifesaver on busy mornings. Two, make a pile of cheese and tomato or cheese sandwiches and then freeze them. It's a good way to use our bread that might otherwise go stale. Then you could just make a toasty straight from the freezer. And three, frittata is your friend. It's such a versatile thing as you can add almost anything to a basic mix of eggs and cheese. Try roasted veg, herbs, sweet potatoes, any odds and ends of cheese that's lying around. The possibilities are endless. My sneaky favourites are basically putting in bits of leftover sabzi but don't tell anyone. And a frittata lasts well when covered and kept in the fridge too. Thank you so much for listening and see you next time. Download the BBC Good Food app today and get inspired in your kitchen. Try a three-month free trial and discover more than 15,000 recipes to help you cook your best every day.